Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Good morning, guys. Who's excited to be here today? Yes. Man, it is great, great, great to see you. Uh, my name is Dave. I love your church, by the way. I love Pastor Jeff. I love everybody here. And it's my first time here, but I've gotten to meet so many uh, of y'all through the years. And so to finally be here in person, man, it's just, just a great, great gift. So thank you guys for having me. Thank you for what you're doing not only reaching this community, but really the ministry of this church is, is touching so far, so wide, and I'm one of those people that have been blessed uh, by your ministry. Real quick intro, so you know who this, this random guy is up here, is a family picture. I usually got him with me, but here's a picture of my family, uh, and uh, they're not here today, so today was one of those days where I didn't have to get anybody ready for church. I'm telling you, I've never been this relaxed on a Sunday morning. I feel like I'm at a spa right now. It was amazing. But here's a picture of how we normally look, though. That's kind of posed. The next one is kind of more, that's real life. Like, we're just acting silly. And this picture was taken in, uh, in Montana. We loaded up from Augusta, Georgia this summer in a minivan with a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 2-year-old who still wears diapers. And we drove to Montana. It's what uh, officially tourist, uh, tour guides call a wine, a wine tour, uh, not because we were stopping in uh, at wine country along the way. It's because someone was whining the entire trip. It was a wine tour. And so, like, I, I wanted to pull over, like, every 50 miles or so, I had to threaten to spank somebody. Like, you know, I was like, I'm going to pull this over. I'm going to, you know, I was that guy. Just, there were a lot of, a lot of threats to spank. Some of you are looking at me weird, like, you know, you don't believe in spanking your children, which is totally fine. If you bring them to me afterwards, I will spank them for you. It's like a, it's a free service I provide. Just kind of, part of the package. Just find me afterwards. <laughs> but I'm so excited to be here talking about marriage. Now, you might be here today, though, and, and you're, you're not married. You're thinking, I picked the wrong day to come to church. I should have skipped. But listen, none of us are here by accident today. I think the more we understand about what the Bible says about marriage, the, the, the more it helps all of us, really, whether you're married or not. So real quick, just for you folks who are, who are, who are single, maybe you're divorced, you're in this season of life and you're not married, thinking, what does this have to do with me? A few quick reasons to pay attention. Number one, single folks, you might be married someday, and you file this away, and th this, this could help you set a foundation for that. Number two, there are lots of people in your life who are married, and knowing what the Bible says about marriage is going to help you be a better friend to them, a better encouragement to them, know how to better pray for them and encourage them in their marriage. Number three, maybe most importantly, Marriage, the way God designed it, it mirrors the kind of relationship He desires to have with us. Whether you're married or single, the most important relationship in your life is with Jesus Christ. And we are His bride. The church is the bride of Christ. You know, we, we were married to Him. And the more we understand what the Bible actually says about marriage, the more we can grow in our connection with our Lord uh, and our Savior. 
So those are a few of the reasons for, you know, the single folks in here to, to pay attention. In addition to that, the principles that apply to marriage, many of them work to help make you a better friend, a better brother, a better sister, a better coworker. So these same principles can apply. But if you are married, pay extra close attention because this is specifically, uh, extra specifically for you guys today. I love this series that you're in. I love the theme verse that, that's been part of this series, which says perfect love drives out fear. Man, and I love that. Because the more love you have, the less room there is for fear. The more you love God, the more capacity you have to love everybody else around you. Love drives out fear. But one thing, and, and you married, married folks can relate to this, when you get married, your fears and your spouse's fears, they kind of come to light a whole lot more. Because when you're dating, you can hide this stuff. You can convince your spouse that you're really not afraid of stuff. But once you get married and that person's around you 24-7, they see your fears. Now, one of the fears that I'd hidden pretty well during our dating was that I've got this kind of weird fear of mice, all right? Don't judge me. You got weird stuff too, all right? But mice just sort of freak me out. They're creepy. They, they just beady little eyes. I feel like they're always up to something. So, I mean, Mickey Mouse is like running a, a mafia ring where he charges you $50 for an ice cream if you ever go to Disney World. Just all mice sort of freak me out. So Ashley didn't know this about me. But one night, early in our marriage, first month of marriage, we're in our, our little house. We called it the love shack because it was basically a shack, but we were in love. And because this old drafty house had some kind of holes in the foundation, mice would get into it. All right, so one night, Ashley's on the floor. She's doing sit-ups on the floor, exercising, and I'm doing what she normally does, what, what I normally do when she's doing sit-ups. I was eating Doritos in a lazy boy, <laughs> watching her do sit-ups. Doing good there, sweetie. I'm gonna... Real good. And we're watching TV. Out of the corner of my eye, I see my furry little nemesis. There was a mouse. And I start freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a mouse. But then I'm like, no, wait a second. Not tonight. I'm a man now. I'm married. I'm a man of this house. Everybody wants to be the man of the house until something scary happens, by the way. And then it's like, you, please, you go check on it. But I'm the man. I'm going to protect my wife. From this little rodent and so I get up like a man and I walk to the kitchen I grab a pot I don't know what I was going to do with it I panicked all right I just in my mind I thought I was going to catch the mouse under the pot and then Ashley would be so impressed that she would have an idea what to do next and she could take care of it but I was going to do that much so then I start tiptoeing back into the living room with the pot and she sees me. My wife sees me. And she, by this point, knows that I'm weird. She doesn't even ask, why are you tiptoeing through the living room of the pot? She just doesn't even ask. She just carries on her business. So I'm walking towards this mouse. And I see him, and he sees me. And I'm like, you're, you're going down, mouse. But then something happened I wasn't ready for. He took off running. I panicked. I wasn't prepared. Because when they scurry, they're even creepier than they are when they're still. So I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, but he's looking at me, but he's running towards her who's on the ground in, in his little line where he's running. And so I'm trying to warn my wife. I'm trying to get the words out. I'm like, uh, sweetie, please. Uh, uh, but I can't say anything because I'm panicking. And before I can get a word out, the mouse hits her while it's looking at me, runs into her, and scurries up on her stomach while she's doing sit-ups. Now, at this point, there, there, 
a shriek comes out like I'd never heard. And there was wailing and there was crying. And finally, finally my wife had to say, Dave, calm down. It's, it's just a mouse. He got away. But, and my, my mouse phobia came out that night. I've gotten better about it, all right, through the years. I've grown through that. The Lord has grown me through that. But you marry somebody and you realize, you know what, we've all got quirks, we've all got our, our insecurities, and yet two imperfect people can come together, united by love for God and love for each other, and, and what God can do in that relationship to, to grow you and, to, and to, to bring blessing through it, is, it really is something, something that can be so powerful. And that's what I want to talk about today. There's one verse, like if, if, if I could only give one verse of the Bible is, is marriage advice, then I think that this verse would be it. It's only four words long, and really whether you're married or single, making this a life verse for you, I think could, could do so much. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14 says, do everything with love. Do everything with love. Now imagine how life would look different. Imagine how the world would look different. Imagine how marriages would look different if we only did this thing. Do everything with love. And what is love? Well, the Bible tells us what it is. Love is patient. Love is kind. That means being patient and being kind with each other. It's like we, we don't need to overcomplicate it. We just need to, to love each other. And then to show our love with, with consistency. Every, everywhere I go, my wife and I, and we're usually speaking together, you know, we'll We'll, we'll talk to couples, and I'll specifically try to target couples that, that, look, that have been married a really long time, much older than me, wiser than me, and I just listen to them. I'm like, tell me the secret. And I think looking for mentors in life is one of the best ways we can grow in any area, and the church is made for that. Like, we should be connecting with people not only in our own peer group, but people who are older than us and learning from them. And you should be connecting with people who are younger than you and teaching them. And so I'm always looking for older couples to learn from. And at one of the events where we, we spoke, it was just actually close to here. It was up in Athens, Georgia. There was this sweet couple named Harold and Louise. And they were like teenagers in love, even though they were, they were probably 80. And at the time, Louise's health wasn't great. She was in a wheelchair, and, and, and Harold was, 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 was caring for her. But they, they were wearing matching T-shirts. They were flirting with each other, like a couple of kids in love. And so I went up, went up to them after our time was up, and I said, you got to tell me, what's the secret? Like, how... How can we have a marriage like yours after, you know, after a lifetime together? And Louise said, well, it isn't just one thing. There's not just one secret, but I'll tell you a big part of it. She said, I'll, I'll tell it through a story. She said, on our very first date, it was on March 17th, and we went out, we had a nice time, and, and then we went on a second date and a third date. Well, after dating for a month on April 17th, Harold shows up with a rose, and I said, what's this? And he said, it's been one month one month together, and it's been the best month of my life being, being with you, and I'm so thankful God brought you in my life. I'm so excited about what our future might hold, and I just wanted to tell you how thankful I am for you. He goes, well, this fellow might be a keeper. Well, May 17th rolls around. He shows up with the rose. She said, what's it? He said, it's been two months, two months together, and I've just loved every minute of it. You know, you're just, you're, 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 you're amazing, and I love being around you, and I'm so excited about what's to come three months, four months, every month he'd show up with the rose. So they finally get engaged, they finally get married, and she thinks, well, now that we're married, the roses will stop. You know, the romance is over. He's got me. He's going to be walking around in his underwear seeing how loud he can burp every morning. That's going to be what I've got to look forward to. Sure enough, 
the 17th of that first month they were married, he shows up with the rose and he said, I bet you thought I'd forget just because we're married now. But I'm more excited than ever to share this with you. And don't think that we're going to stop dating each other just because we're married, by the way. The 17th of the next month, he does it again. And so Louise pauses and she looks at her, looks at her, her, her man. And she looks at me with, with kind of misty eyes. And she said, it's been 648 months since our first date. And he has never once forgotten to bring me a rose. And I felt like the biggest jerk, unromantic slob. I'm looking at my wife like, uh, got you, brought you flowers from Kroger home that one time. Remember that? that was... <laughs> but that story, it inspired me and it challenged me to think about what am I doing consistency? Louise said, it's what you do consistently that really counts in life. And really in any part of your life, what's going to shape your life, your faith, your health, your finances, it's going to be your habits, not just what you do one time, but what you do over and over and over again. And so when it comes to marriage, what are those things that we need to do consistently? And with the time I've got left, I want to talk about four, kind of four cornerstones that can be pillars of your marriage if you'll do these four things. You know, these same principles will largely work, work in, in other relationships to enhance your other relationships as well, but specifically within the context of marriage. I want to talk about these um, with the time that we have. And if you'll do them not only once, but do these with consistency, I think you'll be amazed at what happens. All right, so if you're ready to, to write some stuff down, we'll start filling in the blanks. All right, number one, always be honest with each other. Secrets and lies are the enemies of intimacy. The level of your honesty, the level of your transparency with your spouse will determine the level of the strength and health of your marriage. You cannot have a healthy marriage without honesty. You cannot have a healthy marriage without transparency. And if you're keeping secrets of any kind, if there are passwords on your phone or your computer that your, your spouse doesn't have access to, you know, I feel like that's something they should, they should have access to. I don't think there should be any part of your, your mind, your heart, your life, your phone, your schedule, your checkbook that, that your spouse doesn't know about and have access to. And the moment that we make a purchase or send a text message or have a conversation that we hope our spouse never finds out about, we're already out of line. And there are lots of verses in the Bible I could point to, but I want to share one that seems like it's maybe not about honesty, but I think it's, it's, it's all about honesty. God created the first married couple, Adam and Eve. And then in this perfect setting, he showed us a picture of what he intended marriage to be. And, and this is what it says, Adam and his wife, Genesis 2.25, were both naked and they felt no shame. Don't you love that verse? I mean, the word naked is in it. That's awesome, right? Some of you guys just woke up for the first time. A couple men just popped away like, naked? What? Where? You know, welcome back, guys. I'm glad you're here. So God created this first couple and they're naked and they're loving it. And this, this is obviously a picture of the, of the physical intimacy, the beautiful gift of sex that God created to be enjoyed within marriage. And nowhere else outside of marriage, by the way, but a beautiful, powerful gift within marriage. But it isn't just about that. Because when God talks about nakedness, it's a picture of transparency. It's a picture of emotional nakedness, of spiritual nakedness. It's saying, I've got nothing to hide from you. There's nothing up my sleeves. I'm not wearing sleeves. Like, I've got nothing to hide from you. There's no part of my life that you don't see and you don't have access to. Even the parts that, are, that seem ugly, the parts that I want to hide, like I want you to have full access 
to all of me. My, my hope, my dream, my past, my present, my brokenness, my beauty, all of it, it's yours. And when a husband and wife will have that kind of intimacy with each other, a naked marriage, then that's where love can really foster. But when we have secrets and when we, we, we don't tell each other everything, that's when, that's when things can really, really get messy. I could share you know, a lot of stories in my own life of times where I struggled to, to share things with, with my wife, Ashley, or where I, I didn't open up to her, you know, because I was just out of words for the day and I didn't want to talk anymore and how, without even knowing, I was, I was damaging our relationship instead of building into it. But I, instead, I want to share one of the most painful stories of our marriage, which isn't comfortable at all to talk about, but I talk about it to help others because I know so many others are in the same situation. And it's robbing them of the kind of intimacy that God desires for them to have. And my story goes back to when I was a teenager, long before I was married. And it was uh, centered around the issue of pornography. Now, we, we do a lot of work now with ministries that, that work helping people you know, out of a pornography addiction. So I'm familiar with a lot of the statistics. And, and here are a few statistics, just for you parents in the room. These are real stats, triplexchurch.com and others, uh, that... that I just found, like, uh, hard to believe, but they're true. Okay, 95% of uh, American youth, 95%, that's 19 out of 20 kids, will see pornography before they turn 18. And by pornography, I don't mean a picture of a naked person. I mean an explicit sexual act, act acted out. They, 19 out of 20. I was one of those 19 out of 20. By the way, right now, the, the average of first exposure to pornography, 10. 10 years old. The average 10-year-old has seen a, at least one pornographic image. No matter what we're doing to, to protect them, I mean, you could, you could lock them up in a bubble and not give them a phone and homeschool them and everything else, but I'm telling you, it's like it, it is out there and it just takes one kid on one playground on one thing with a smartphone saying, hey, look at this, and all of a sudden there are images planted in that young child's mind that just create a toxic aftermath. I was one of those 19 out of 20 kids, and it put me on a path of knowing in my mind that it was wrong, but not doing what the Bible actually says to do with sin, about confession, about accountability. And instead, I, I took the prideful, sinful path to trying to deal with it on my own. Like, this isn't that big a deal. I, I, I can control this with my willpower. No one needs to know about this. This is personal. And all the little justifications that Satan likes us to believe to keep us in the darkness instead of coming out into the light. Well, I started to believe in some lies about porn. You know, it's not that bad, and then another lie, well, it's terrible, but, but I can't ever tell anybody. And then I believe the dangerous lie that one day I'll be married, and then I won't be tempted anymore. And so I believed that dangerous lie. So we did get married. Um, at the time, it hadn't been an issue for a while, so I'd never told my wife this had been a past struggle. Uh, I thought I'd overcome it, and we get married, like a year into marriage, still not a problem, but all of a sudden that temptation came back with a vengeance, took me completely off guard. And I fell right back into that terrible pit of sin. Now as a married man, knowing what the Bible says about these things, knowing that Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, that to even look at someone, to look at a woman with lust is to commit adultery in your heart. I mean, I knew that this was an act of infidelity. This wasn't just entertainment. This was infidelity that I was, I was sinning against God, sinning against my wife, but I panicked and I thought she can never know. I mean, I'd be over, I'd be ruined, it would break her heart. And so I... I I tried to keep this in the dark instead of having the courage to bring it out into the light. And I wish I could tell you that I finally had the courage, but, but she found it. She stumbled 
upon it on our computer, and I'm so thankful that she did. It was the best and the worst thing that could have happened. And so then she was wounded because of what I'd looked at, but she was equally wounded that I'd kept this secret. And that created such, such a wound in our marriage. And, and I could talk to you for days and days about how trust is rebuilt. But what I will say is that forgiveness and trust are two different things. And when somebody wrongs you in any way, whether you're married or not, you need to remember that forgiveness and trust are two different things. When we say, I can't, I can't forgive that person, what we're really usually saying or meaning is, I don't trust them. But forgiveness and trust are two different things. Forgiveness can't be earned, ever. It can only be given. Or else it's not grace. If you could earn it, it wouldn't be grace. Jesus forgave us freely when we did nothing to deserve that freedom or forgiveness. He gave it freely. Forgiveness simply means Look, I love you enough to pursue healing in this relationship instead of punishment. I'm going to trust God with any, any kind of payback that needs to happen. I'm going to let go of that because I don't want bitterness to take root in my heart. I want to focus on healing what's been broken here. Trust is different. Trust doesn't happen all at once. Trust happens a little bit over time through consistency of our actions. So you don't have to trust someone in order to forgive them but you do have to forgive them in order to make trust possible again. So Ashley forgave me and gave me the opportunity to start rebuilding trust. And really, that whole incident very early in our marriage, it, it allowed us to create a very transparent culture in our marriage. Where we just decided, not only because of this issue, but all the way around, we want to be totally open, honest. We want a naked marriage. Not just so this doesn't happen again, but so that all the other things that could creep in and, and threaten to divide us don't happen again. So we, we have total transparency, and I love it. It is freeing. And we have it not because we don't trust each other, but because we do trust and love and respect each other and value our marriage so much. You know, we have the same Apple ID on our phones, so one of, if either one of us gets or receives a text message, the other one sees it on their phone. And so that just like totally freaks some people out, that level of transparency, but I, I love it it keeps us connected with what's happening in each other's world and it creates an extra layer of accountability as well and so let me just challenge you fight for transparency and trust and if there's a secret that you're keeping um say it out loud you know have the courage that i didn't have way back then say it out loud confess it and and i know the stats are true so i know that there, there there's a good number of people in this room right now where pornography isn't just a past struggle, it is a right now struggle. Right now, in this room, many. And, and you, need to, you need to confess that it's a sin, because it is. It's damaging. It's not just entertainment. It is destructive. And it will slowly dull your ability to, to know and do God's will and to give real and sustained love to the people around you. So do whatever you can, you can do. I mean, get software on your computer, confess it, get accountability around you, but, but man get rid of it. And, and again, I talked about that more than I planned to because I, I just, I know there are folks in here that, that need to hear that, who are right now where I was. And I just want to, desperately want to help you get out of that pit. All right, so that's number one. Number two, and we'll move more quickly through the rest of these, don't worry. Don't make assumptions about how your spouse feels, but communicate about everything. Assumptions will get you in trouble. That's when you think you know what they're thinking and you don't. Or have you ever found yourself saying, well, he should just know that he should do that. He doesn't know. He's a man. You've got to tell him. And 
then he will, then he will know. Like you, you can't make assumptions. So this, and this isn't just my opinion. The wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, he said it like this. Fools base their thoughts on assumptions. So their conclusions will be wicked madness. That's pretty strong, isn't it? I mean, that's pretty hardcore. So don't make assumptions. In our marriage, there have been times that we kind of made assumptions, and the assumptions would happen when we would say words to stop conversation instead of starting it. And one of the words that we would say, that we had to stop saying, it was a four-letter word that we just said, this is going to now be a cuss word in our home that we're not going to say anymore. And it was the word fine. I'm fine. No, you're not. No one is there. It's like, no, you're not. Like Ashley would, I'd say, sweetie, what's wrong? Do you need my help with something? She'd be like, I'm fine. And as a man, I would say, well, she said she's fine. So, I mean, if I didn't know better, I think the eye roll meant she wasn't, but she said she is. And I would say I'm fine when it just meant I didn't want to talk about stuff. And so both of us, we had to kind of come to terms that for us, fine, F-I-N-E, didn't mean we were actually doing well. It meant we were faking, we were ignoring, we were neglecting something that needed to be talked about, or we were evading a situation instead of actually communicating about it. And I bet fine means some similar things to you. And so I'm not saying never say fine. There are times to say it. I am allowed to say it when I look at her and I'm like, dang girl, you're looking fine. I'm still allowed to say that. She still likes that. <laughs> but that's the only way I'm allowed to use it. So think about those words in your life that we say them, but they don't actually help us communicate. They, they, they actually make us make assumptions that aren't all the way true. And then stop saying those words and don't, don't make assumptions uh, that you know don't automatically think that that your spouse is thinking the same thing you are you got to talk about these things all right number three number three i think if i could help all couples just do one thing and instantly improve their marriage i think i would pick this because i i, I think there's such a pervasive tone of negativity and criticism in marriages and it's absolutely toxic and so this is so huge be your spouse's biggest encourager, not their biggest critic. Become a cheerleader for their strengths instead of just a noticer of all their weaknesses. Your, the tone of your words will, will set the tone of your marriage. It will. The Bible has a lot to say about this, but for the sake of time, I'll just share one verse. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and compassionate to one another. Just be nice, is saying. Just be nice to each other. Forgiving each other, because there are going to be times when they hurt you and you hurt them. Forgiving each other, just as, as God in Christ has forgiven you. In other words, treat your spouse not the way your spouse treats you. Treat your spouse the way God treats you. God's good to us even when we don't deserve it. God's forgiving to us even when we're, even when we're, we're not worthy of that forgiveness. He's kind to us even when we're rude in return. And he says, now, this is the ultimate test of love. Go do that for each other. Do that for each other. And look for the things to praise in your spouse, not the things to criticize. I think most of us feel like we're just calling it like we see it. I'm just, I'm just a straight shooter, and I, I, I'm, I just notice the way things really are. I mean, we think we're pretty perceptive, right? Or I'm going to do a quick test to see how perceptive we actually are. A real-life test that has a real grade and a score attached to it. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you five seconds. In just a second, not yet. 
You know, looking around early and cheating. But five seconds to look around this room and mentally catalog every item you see that is the color red. Every exit sign, every shirt, every purse, every shoe. Some of you are looking around already. Jesus sees you cheating. So when I say go, we're going to start looking and counting. And then at the end of five, I'm going to have you close your eyes. And you've got to log all those. And then we're going to grade you based on how well you did, how perceptive you were with these five seconds. So ready? Go. Look for red. Look for red. Red exit signs. Red shirt. Red purse. Red shoes. Red, red, red. Okay, stop. Close your eyes. Get kind of your mental catalog ready. You've got you to have your eyes closed for this to work. Here's how we're going to grade it. You've got to say it now. And you're going to say out loud... It has to be out loud. Out loud, I want you to say everything you just saw that is the color blue. <laughs> All right, now open your eyes, look around. There's blue everywhere. I'm blue. Blue lights. Blue shirts. But you didn't see it. Why didn't you see it? Because you were looking for something else. Jesus said, seek and you will find. So the opposite has to be true as well, right? If you don't seek something, you're not going to find it. If all you're looking for are reasons to be critical of your spouse, that is all you will see. But if all you're looking for are reasons to praise them, to, to see the good in them and call it out, to, to celebrate their wins, to, to thank God for them, then I'm telling you, those things will get bigger. The good within them will grow. The per, you, you speak into existence even the, the good that, that you want for them, and you start praising them for what they're, they're doing, thanking them for what they're doing. I'm not saying that spouses can't have honest conversations about things that need to change and improve, but make it your mission to be an encourager and not a critic, and it will change the tone of your marriage like nothing else. All right, number four. Never... Let your spouse face a struggle without your full partnership, encouragement, and support. Love this, this verse in, in Galatians. It's not only a verse for marriage, but I think, you know, for all of us, especially within the church, within the body of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We live in a world that tells us, carry your own burdens, carry your own burdens, Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But God called us to lean on each other. Especially in marriage. Your spouse should never have to face something without your, your full support. And there are lots of stories I could share about what that looks like. But instead of just telling a story, I want to show you a story. Because when I saw this couple's, this real-life couple's testimony uh, video for the first time, it moved me so deeply that I said, I want to share this with as many people as I can because this is what it looks like to carry each other's burdens in the beautiful context of love and marriage. So let's take a minute and watch this together. If you need to just hug the person next to you, feel free. Love, that's, that's love in action. And that's what God calls us to in marriage. And remember this about marriage, it's kind of a final point, that a perfect marriage, if such a thing exists, is just two imperfect people who refuse to give up on each other. So don't give up on each other. You need to fight for each other to continue to see the best in each other. Before I pray, I just want to say, you know, thank you so much for, uh, for allowing me to be here today. I, I, love, I love this church. We've been so blessed 
by your ministry and by your friendship over the years. We'd love to stay connected with you. I'll, I'll be out in the, uh, the lobby afterwards just to shake your hands. I wish Ashley could be here too. She's the much more, uh, the much cooler part of the team and hopefully she'll be here next time. But in the meantime, um, we've got a website. There's a free devotional um, you can get on at DaveAndAshleyWillis.com. Um, we would love to stay connected to you online and in person. But thank you guys so much for, for all that you do. And let me close with the word of prayer for us. Father God, I thank you for every person here. I thank you for the gift of love, the gift of marriage. And whether we're married or not, God, how much you love us and how we're, we're not completed by another person, like they say in the movies, but we're completed by you, Jesus. And I thank you that you, God, bring wholeness and healing and fullness and salvation to our souls. I pray for those here who are married, God, that, that their marriages would, would strengthen, being rooted in love. And God, I pray your blessing on this church and everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.